Welcome back, everybody, to Duval Till We Pod. My name's Daniel Griffiths. With me, as always, JC. It's been a little bit. It's been it's been at least a couple days since we last recorded. How you doing, my friend? <clears throat> well, I mean, to quote that dude from the Backstreet Boys, "Oh my God, we're back again." So it's uh, happier. We had a uh, we had a few day break at least, but uh, we're back. Jaguars had a uh, surprising season. I think we chose them to win six and eight games at the start of the year. People get and, teeth cleanings more often than we podcast. <laughs> anyway, yes, no, um, I believe you had six wins and I had seven. I predicted seven and ten, and you predicted six and eleven. And in the best way, we were both horribly wrong. We were right there for about Twelve weeks into the season, it was looking you were looking rough. real good at about week twelve. Yeah, <laughs> we and had you know what happened. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence said enough of this, enough of this noise, and he got to work with his with his boys, and and the rest is history. The dichotomy of that back to back weeks of the Lions and the Titans, to where we were just like the worst football team in existence, and then the best football team in existence for the last six weeks. Um, but we're we're here. We got the twenty fourth pick in the draft. We got the draft coming up. Combine is this past weekend. We're going to give some thoughts on that. Um, but I, I think first, you know, I think it's important to have a retrospective of what kind of season the Jaguars had. I think that, uh, as I said, we were both pleasantly surprised. Um, I know I went to the Titans game in week uh, eighteen, um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, didn't get the chance to go to the, the Chargers game, but uh, that Titans game was about as fun as it gets, um, aside from an ugly offensive performance in the in the second half. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, Jaguar fans couldn't be happier with the season that they got from, from the team. Yeah, <clears throat> and I myself, you know, I'm a transplanted Jags fan, so I also got a chance to see the team in person. I got to see them week 17 at Houston, um, which was another win. Um, it was just great to see the the maturity and, you know, the maturation process of Trevor uh, throughout the season. And by no means was he perfect. You know, we've talked about that. We talked about it off air. Um, you still want to see more from him. But you saw way more signs of that's a dude than you did in his rookie season in 2021. Um, and just it was a team having fun. You know, like one of the biggest things about the 2017 season that was so much fun was – that defense just had so much swagger, you know, and this year there was so much of that again, you know, Rayshon Jenkins just knows he's a bad man. Like when he's playing on the field, you know, he's got so much energy. Um, and you saw a lot of that in Trevor, like, you know, I questioned and I'll be the first to admit that I almost used the B word, you know, to just to describe Trevor Lawrence at one point during the season, um, the dreaded B word when it comes to NFL quarterbacks, but and I questioned whether or not he had any type of like dog or fight in him at all, any kind of just like badness. Um, but you saw this year during like sounds of the game when he like had a mic near him, like he's got some he had like toughness that I did not believe was there. Um, he never seemed rattled, he never seemed out of it. Um, that confidence in himself and the people around him was awesome to be able to see more up close this year than we saw last year. Um, there wasn't a lot of dogfight games we were in his rookie year for us to be able to see that toughness come out. Um, but that was an elephant 
element elephant huh element of Trevor's game that I did not know was there uh, that was really cool to see and that to me that was one of the biggest surprises of the season was um, you know it's it's a meme but Trevor Lawrence really do got that dog in him I think I think when we you know skip ahead here five years and look back at, at really the catalyst for Trevor's career I think it's going to be that Dallas game where it's like okay Trevor we got the ball Let's go see what you can do. You know, that's a huge comeback win for us against a really, really good team. Um, and the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence put the team on his back and did what they had to do to win that game, um, get us to overtime. And, and then Rayshon Jenkins made so many crucial plays down the, la- the, la- the latter stretch of the season. Um, so, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, that's that's why Trevor Lawrence is, is your franchise quarterback, and that's why Rayshon Jenkins is, is one of your leaders on defense. You know, when, when you need a big play, you look for your, your best players to make them, and uh, the Jaguars seem to do that on the back half of the, of the season, whether it's the Josh Allen uh, fumble against the Titans, the, the Rayshon Jenkins interception against um, Dallas. Trevor Lawrence made so many crucial plays. Um, you know, look at the Chargers game. Um, so I think, I think that the Jaguars, the first time in, in seemingly forever, where when you needed a guy to step up, um, the guys were there to, to make the plays happen. Yeah, and, like, you know, you go back even, like I said, to that Dallas game, like, we get the ball back, two minutes left, uh, Trevor makes a run that seemingly ices the game for us, and he fumbles because he tried to do almost a little too much by making one more guy miss instead of just getting down. Because it just shows, you know, like he always wants to try to make a big play. And the confidence he had to bounce up, know that we had three timeouts, know the defense was going to get the ball back, not pout. The defense gets the stop. He comes right back out, field goal range, Riley Patterson, and then we win it over time. Like his ability to like brush off mistakes for a young QB is it's impressive. Cause like, you know, there's two different types of guys that don't bounce back well from those mistakes as young quarterbacks. Either guys that, like, it seems like they don't care enough or when it happens, they shut down. And Trevor is neither one of those things. Like, for God's sakes, in a playoff game at home, he threw four picks in the first half and won. Like, he never seemed like he was like, oh, well, this game's over. Like, how easy is it as human beings, 27 nothing to be like, well, it was a good season, boys. Like <laughs> – um, and I felt like he never really felt like we were out of the game. And, and you could tell the team believed that, too, based on, you know, people were – you know, the sounds of the game that the team puts out were mic'd up. And I know they really only put out the good stuff. I get that. It's it's team-controlled. Um, but, like, the vibe on the sideline felt like when Evan Ingram scored right before the half, they were like, okay, we're about to go get back in this thing. And I feel like Jaguars teams in the past – even Trevor himself, that rookie year, 27 nothing would have been like a death sentence. It would have been like on to next week or on to the offseason, you know, in our case. Um, but he's just – his leadership skills grew so much this year. You know, Rayshon Jenkins was a guy that many of us wanted to cut last offseason after he had a disappointing first year. And a lot of us were like, oh, well, it's one of those things where we can't cut him because of his contract. So we have to let him play one more season before we can cut him. And now it's one of those guys where we're like, hey, let's let's give that guy an extension. Like, um, because he just he emerged so much and showed us 
more of the kind of player he was for the Chargers and why he got a pretty sizable contract to come play in Jacksonville. Um, but, you know, his leadership and, you know, the you can see the defense's trust in Trevor uh, and vice versa. Um, and there was a little bit of that um, in years past. Like, in 2017, there were moments where I know that, like, guys like um, Calais Campbell and other guys on that defense did have a lot of confidence in Blake Bortles down that 2017 stretch, but it wasn't, like, consistent year in, year out, believing Bortles was the guy. Like, I know he was well-liked, but I'm sure that there was people on the defense that probably at times were fed up with his lack of ability. Um, but, like, the team this year just seemed like they were such a well-oiled unit, and, that, and that's a testament to what Doug Peterson was able to do in just one offseason. Um, you know, me and you have talked, and most people know in the Twitter world that I, I played for Doug Peterson when he first started off coaching, um, and he's a great team builder. Um, and I can say that from the high school level, and it's been shown on the NFL level, you know, that Doug Peterson's an incredible team builder, um, always has a great special relationship with his quarterback, um, is able to coach the whole team well as an offensive guy, not just the quarterbacks, like great relationship with the defense, with the specialists, like he, he's just a, he's a player's coach. Um, and I know some of us were kind of disappointed that Doug was the hire when it first happened because of just the whole whirlwind with like the announcement that Byron Leftwich was going to be the head coach and then the fallout. And then some of the interviews were not very inspiring of, you know, Basicia and Nate Hackett and like guys like this. Um, but we end up getting a head coach that was the perfect hire for Trevor Lawrence. And, and it's shown, and I'm just, can't wait to see what they do in a second offseason together to just continue to build that relationship with with the whole team. Well, speaking of off uh, off seasons, we can get into uh, to the combine that was this past week. Um, Jaguars are fortunate enough to have the twenty fourth pick in the draft this year. Um, it's a little bit mucked up because of the uh, first round pick that was taken away with the Dolphins. So there's only thirty one picks this year in the first round, but. Uh, a lot of the guys that I think the Jaguars will be intrigued with performed really well, um, especially early on on day one. You're looking at guys like Osiris Torrance. Um, you're looking at some of the corners, you know, tested fairly well. Deontay Banks, Keely Ringo, um, Brian Brzee, a um, lot, lot of talent there uh, where we're at, at positions of need for the Jaguars defensive line offensive line um, the guard class isn't too great uh, the tackle class is, is all right uh, corner class is really good and then you had some guys really surprised like George's Nolan Smith who tested freakishly um, for a guy his size he's not the biggest edge rusher but at 240 pounds running a 439 is uh, very impressive um, so I think the Jaguars will have plenty of options there at 24, as well as in the second round. You're looking at guys, you know, like uh, Clark Phillips, who didn't test super well, but is a super reliable guy for Utah as a nickel corner. Jervon Dexter test, tested freakishly at his size, uh, defensive tackle from Florida. Um, so you, you've got a lot of options. I think that the Jaguars are in a pretty good spot at where they're picking at 24 and 56 in the first two rounds. Um, to get some guys that can really be uh, immediate impact players. Yeah, like you said, it was good to see some of those kind of guys that we already liked for the Jaguars to go and perform well because it's always disappointing, you know, 
you and I are both huge NFL draft guys. Like we nerd out over it every year. Uh, it's how we first met and bonded. Um, and so it's a bummer when you see guys that you love go to the combine and bomb. Uh, whether you like them for your own team or not. Like, you know, for example, Keyshawn Butte, I'm an LSU fan. You know, I've watched him since high school. Uh, to see him not perform well was a bummer, even though I don't want my own team to take him because I don't think we need him. Um, it, you know, it, it was a bummer to see that guy not perform well. But to see the guys like Osiris Torrance, who literally grew up 40 minutes from my house, he's another local guy that I love, to see him perform well is great because he is a very, very real possibility uh, for the Jags at 24. Met with him at the Combine, which everybody meets with everybody. I get that. Um, I'd be willing to bet real dollars that he gets a top 30 visit uh, to Jacksonville. I bet you he's on that list. Um, guys like Brian Branch are going to be on that list. And, uh, you know, the talk of the Combine was really guys like Nolan Smith, you know, testing out the wazoo. It was – Anthony Richardson showing us what we already knew that he is a freak athlete, uh, but even, but showed it even more when, you know, individual testing showed up. Um, but yeah, it, it was good to see a lot of those guys that weren't just first round talents, but guys that we will grab in the second, third, and we have two fourth round picks. A um, lot of great showings, a lot of guys that tested nine or above on the RAS scale. Um, you know, there was some 10s out there, some guys that you expected to test well, and then those surprises. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a combine nerd. You know, I think that, you know, some people don't give it as much credit. You know, the underwear Olympics, as some people call it. Um, but, no, it, it's fun. It's a taste of football whenever we're used to not having anything to talk about at this time of the year, even though, luckily, the XFL has actually been pretty good. Uh, to give us something to watch in the meantime. Uh, but, yeah, it was good to see guys back on the field doing drills. Good to see some guys that me and you are both fans of perform well uh, and uh, one step closer to uh, the craziness, which is the NFL draft, which last year was a little bit more tame. Uh, but this year should be back uh, to normal with some with some chaos up at the top. I Before we move on, I just want to uh... – mention that Brian Branch didn't test very well. I do not care. And the Jaguars uh, shouldn't either. Good football player. Yeah. Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is the worst performer in the history of the combine. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, he's like a six time pro bowler. Uh I think that Brian Branch is probably one of the 10 best players in this draft. Um I would not overlook him. If he's there on the board at 24, I'm taking him. I'm there, sprinting there, to the podium. There's few guys that I would take over him. Um, but like, so. yeah, but like, like we put a lot of stock in RAS. But like, if if a dude's a dude, like Asante Samuel was a seven. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. I have to say that because his dad was in the league, was a seven four, and that dude good. <laughs> like, yeah. he picked off Trevor twice in that playoff game. Like. Brian Brady, he almost said it was it three times. I think he was, three. I think he was, yeah, he was three. Trevor um, threw a million picks that game and we won. So, <laughs> so Branch, Branch is one of those guys that, you know, Nick Saban had full trust in him. He was Alabama's best defensive player aside from Will Anderson. He was the leader of that secondary. Um, so I think that if he's there, it's going to be hard not to take him. And I don't want the Jaguars to look at his arm length and be like, nope, we're not taking him. Cause I think that that is, 
a huge mistake. Um, you know, sometimes teams can get kind of in their own way there with uh, having limitations as far as size goes or, or athleticism. But uh, Brian Branch is certified good football player. Um, Hashtag good. Yeah, and and maybe not so good. We can move on to the quarterback situation in the NFL with the offseason. Um, we had three guys that are okay get a lot of money you're looking at Derek Carr Geno Smith and Daniel Jones um the car deal is wild I'm surprised that it happened so quick um I guess he, he I, I I would imagine he narrowed it down to New Orleans probably fairly quickly um because I, I expected that deal to not have happened by now. Um, didn't didn't really wait for too much. I think I guess he decided that New Orleans is a spot, and that's where he is. They signed him to a huge contract. I think he's making thirty to seven and a half million a year. Um, Gino is signed a three year, hundred and five million dollar contract, which is I believe thirty five million a year. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um. That's a huge deal. Great for Gino. He had a great year last year. Looked really good. So I'm happy that he's uh, kind of resurrecting his career. And then Daniel Jones signed a four-year, $160 million deal. We'll see if that brings the fruits of the Giants' labors. Um, We'll see how that turns out. They may be kind of handicapping themselves there a little bit for their future. Um, But I have faith in Brian Dabble um, to at least keep that a competent football team, not – and not have it fall apart like the Jaguars did in 2018. Um, so I think that they'll be okay shape. I I think that the Saints, I'm not sure what they're going to do with their cap situation. I don't know when it's going to ever prevent them from signing players because it seems like it never does. Um, it just keeps getting worse and worse. So we'll see how that long-term affects them. He's definitely better than Andy Dalton, uh, heavens forbid, but uh, – you know, I think that I think that long term Seattle and the Giants will probably be in OK shape uh, and we'll see about the Saints. I'm not, I'm not too sure what their future holds. Right. So so starting with Carr, um, I'm a believer. So so he goes to New Orleans and visits while he's still with the Raiders and does not agree to a trade. OK, so and I think that was pretty expected strictly because he did not want to help the Raiders. He didn't want them to get compensation. Um, And so they release him. And it seems with all the arrows at the time pointing to the Jets because it made it the the national media made it seem like the Jets were who he favored the most. But I think the reason he made the deal so quick with the Saints was because the Jets are holding out hope that they'll be the ones to land Aaron Rodgers, which right now, based on information today, makes it sound like they believe they have a very good chance of making a trade for Aaron Rodgers. So the Jets weren't going to settle yet on Carr. They would have probably maybe eventually settled if the Aaron Rodgers thing falls apart, uh, but they weren't willing to settle at the time. So, And I think Carr wanted to get his decision made quickly. I didn't think he wanted to wait until free agency opened with the decision with maybe Lamar and definitely didn't want to wait until anything closer to the draft where teams can maybe make other plans. He wanted to get his, his money and lock down his next opportunity. And 
Look, the, the Saints, people talked about the Saints maybe trying to draft a quarterback this year. I don't think that was ever going to happen, not in the first round, strictly because Dennis Allen can't afford to groom a rookie quarterback. It's like, if they suck again this year, he's getting fired. Uh, there was rumors around here of him getting fired after this season, after one year. So he can't afford the rookie quarterback thing. Um, they're trying to create some more cap flexibility. You know, with the Saints, they're – uh, Nick Underhill reported today that they are working on an extension for Michael Thomas, um, which is strictly a cap space move. Um, but it, it, they paid him a lot of money. But here's the deal. You know as well as I do because we've been there a lot. Quarterback hell is a terrible place to be. And that's where the Saints are. They're in quarterback hell. And so they're doing with what we did, sort of, with Nick Foles, go sign who appears to be the best free agent quarterback to a massive deal and hope he saves you. Um, is it going to work out for the Saints? It will work out in the sense that they're going to be probably better than they were this year, but they're not going to win anything of significance. Um, they might still win that division, though, because the, their division's terrible and got worse in the past few weeks with Tom Brady retiring. Um, but and Atlanta oddly announcing on their own Twitter account that they're not going to pursue Lamar Jackson. Um, so the car deal, I, I understand why it's made, but it's too much money, and I'm glad we didn't have to make it. Um, Geno Smith, awesome for Geno. Like, hell yeah, dude. He's been in the league for nine years. He was left in the green room on draft night, the last dude in the green room, chilling, didn't go in the first round. Um, goes in the second round, has a forgettable career with the Jets, comes out to Seattle, back up to Russell Wilson. Uh, they don't like Drew Locke. He gets his shot, and he performs exceptionally well, uh, and he earned a big deal. Now, it's, it's a deal that's structured in a way to where it's a big deal for Geno, and it'll last him the rest of his life, but it's not big to the point to where it's like this crazy contract that Seattle can't get out of if they want to add a quarterback. Um, and so good for Geno. He, he earned it. Um, he set for the rest of his life after a mediocre nine years in the league. He finally has his moment and, you know, the rest is history. DJ, the, the Giants were kind of in an impossible situation with Daniel Jones. They, they had to re-sign him. Um because they don't have the draft pick. They had the draft picks last year to get a quarterback, but there wasn't a quarterback to take. And so this year they don't have the pick to take a quarterback. So they felt like they kind of had to do what they had to do. Um, they did the perfect scenario for them, which is to not pay some huge long-term deal to Saquon Barkley. They get to tag him and then kind of see what happens there. Um, but, look, Dan Daniel Jones is limited. We know that. He's been in the league for a while now. He's a slightly above-average starting quarterback. Um, he doesn't put up very good numbers. He also was throwing to nobodies in New York. Um, but it, it's a Blake Bortles-type situation. He has a good year, finally, after you're patient with him, and you pay him. The, the Jaguars did it in 2018 when <clears throat> we could have drafted Lamar Jackson, but we gave an extension to Blake Bortles. Um, you know, the Giants could have taken their chances trying trying to sign a Derek Carr, trying to sign a Jimmy Garoppolo, trying to sign an offer sheet with Lamar Jackson. But they hung on to their guy. You know, me and you are both big believers in Brian Devil. 
uh, we know he's a good coach and he's going to win a lot of games in New York. And so that's one of those things where I feel like they feel like they had to resign Daniel Jones. And I understand why, again, I'm glad we don't have to pay Daniel Jones that much money. I'm glad that whenever we pay our quarterback a billion dollars, which is where the trajectory of these quarterback deals is going, um, that it'll be a guy who uh, hopefully we believe will deserve it. And then, uh, you know, these quarterback deals are, are getting crazy. Uh, if they think that Derek Carr got a lot of money, wait till Joe Burrow signs this summer. <laughs> uh, that's going to be insane. Well, it might be Lamar that breaks it. Yeah, well, if the Ravens have any idea what's good for them, they uh, will pay that man. Now, that's that, that's going to be an interesting one. I know uh, it's Perfect not very segue. Often. Perfect segue. <laughs> yeah, it's not very often that the non-exclusive tag happens. I remember, uh, gosh, it's almost been a decade ago now where the Jaguars were in a, in ex, uh, a non-exclusive tag scenario with Alex Mack, center from uh, the Browns. The Jaguars signed him to a contract at Cleveland Matched. Um, so Cleveland got to keep him, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, it looks like early on, anyhow, um, you know, obviously you're going to have to put pen to paper and teams are going to have to actually decide. But as of right now, it's it's pretty cold right now and barren the market for Lamar Jackson. Um, there, a team would have to give up two first round picks and sign him to the deal that they're going to have to sign him for. Um, and also, you know, Lamar can say no. Um, you know, if, if it's not a deal that's going to be worthy of, of signing for him, if he doesn't think it's worth it. Um, I think ultimately it's kind of like the situation with the Giants and Daniel Jones is, is are you willing to go into QB purgatory? Especially for a team that never picks in the top 15. Who are you going to get um, realistically? Ended Hooker. Are, are you are you okay with Tyler Huntley? Pro Bowl quarterback Tyler Huntley being your quarterback in the future? Because <laughs> I just don't see John Harbaugh losing enough games to be in the top 10. No, it would um, take a trade. Like that's the only way the Ravens with him as coach are ever going to be picking that high is, and, is they make a trade. And then it's a situation of, of, okay, what's worth more to you? Are you going to be okay giving up multiple first-round picks to go get a quarterback, or do you just suck it up and pay the guy that you got, who who you know is good? Yeah. Um. So I think ultimately so, the Ravens will sign and will probably match whatever deal comes to Lamar Jackson's way. They just can't afford you, – you just can't afford to not have Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and, and we all know that there's three things that are killing Lamar's market as of now, at least in the public view in the media. One, the Deshaun Watson contract. That's what has messed up his negotiations the whole last year with Baltimore is he wants, and it was a ridiculous contract, but he wants that sort of guaranteed money that Deshaun Watson got in Cleveland. So you have that. Then you also have the fact that he doesn't have an agent. He is negotiating himself, which technically, based on NFL rules, he cannot negotiate right now. He cannot even negotiate when the tampering window opens on Tuesday. He has to wait until Wednesday to even speak to teams because he was a franchise tag player. So that, like, now, could he sneak? Possibly, because it happens every year. But 
Lamar Jackson's probably not picking up the phone himself and calling these teams to offer him a contract. So him not having an agent obviously is a disservice to him in this scenario. And then the third thing is, and the reason that many in the media are saying that his market is cold is because they expect the Ravens to match any offer sheet he gets, meaning that they're not, they don't another team say it's the, the Panthers, the Ravens, the Raiders, any of these quarterback needy teams, they're not going to do Baltimore's homework for them. You know, they're not going to negotiate and structure a deal that Lamar likes that's perfect for him and then have him leave. You know what I'm saying? Like there's sometimes where an offer sheet works out for you and then there's sometimes where it doesn't and there's times where you hope you hope a team doesn't match it because you don't want your team to pay that much for a guy. Uh, then there's times where it, it ups the price of a player. And so – if you're the if you're the Falcons, you don't want to, and they're a team that's been rumored to be out, and they even retweeted it, which seemed very unprofessional. Um, if you are the Falcons or the Panthers or somebody like that, you don't want to do all the, you know, it's 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 like taking it's like taking somebody out for a date and you pay for dinner and you buy them drinks and everything's going really well, but then they go home with someone else. (laughs) Like it's If you're the the Panthers, you don't want to wine and dine Lamar Jackson and get him to say yes, and then he goes home with the Ravens anyway. So it's it's, – those those things are hurting Lamar. Now, I don't understand why there's not at least 10 teams in the NFL right now putting all their cards on the table to get him. I I think from Baltimore's perspective right now, Baltimore is – is uh, winning this so, so uh, w- w- it's this is helping Baltimore's case so much right now because from the outside perspective it looks like no one wants Lamar, which is only dropping or keeping his price tag at the same point. Because um, right now Baltimore is like, yeah, see, no team wants to sign you to any kind of deal. And, uh, you know, Baltimore's got a little bit of leverage there to, to kind of, you know, try to try to diminish the value um, or return that Lamar is going to get. And uh, so that, that's another part that's going to be interesting. We haven't heard too much about progress between Baltimore and Lamar. Um, I get the vibe that he doesn't want to leave Baltimore. I get the vibe that, like, just just pay him in the ballpark of what he's looking for. And I think he'll gladly stay. Like he doesn't strike me as this, please let me go type thing, you know? Um, you saw the Rashad Bateman, Eric DaCosta. I did not. On Twitter? I did not. I did not oh, miss that. Rashad Bateman went after uh, Eric DaCosta, the GM of the Baltimore Ravens. Eric DaCosta said uh, that they asked the, uh, the reporters asked Eric DaCosta if he was going to be looking at receivers. And he said, well, if I had any, um, I wouldn't have to look. But yes, we're looking something to that effect. And uh, Bateman went after DaCosta and said, how about you pay the guys, the, the great guys that you already have here and use them properly? Um, Bateman, uh, Bateman, Bateman's a guy that if he's healthy, he's real good. Yeah, their their offensive structure doesn't help Lamar very much. No, I mean also, Hollywood Hollywood Brown, pretty good, and you shipped him off to Arizona. Like uh, they, I don't know, that's a wasteland. But like, if you look at the NFL and you look at, like, right now I'm just looking at the standings from this past season. Like worst to Chiefs, Bears mm-hmm. to Chiefs. 
Lamar Jackson is better than the Bears quarterback, Houston's quarterback, Arizona's quarterback, Indy's quarterback, the Rams quarterback, the Broncos quarterback, the Raiders quarterback, the Falcons quarterback, the Saints quarterback. I'll give the Browns Deshaun Watson. Um, he's better than the Titans quarterback. He's better than the Panthers, the Jets. Um, I would personally take him over Aaron Rodgers with Green Bay. He's better than Mac Jones. He's better than what the Bucks have. He's better than what the Commanders have. He's better than Kenny Pickett. He's better than Jared Goff. He's better than Geno Smith. He's better than Tua. Um, and then you get into, like, the playoff teams, who you feel pretty good about most of their quarterback situations. So I, that's 20 teams <laughs> that he's – and I know they're not all looking, but there's at least seven or eight teams that are looking for a quarterback. I think Washington and Atlanta are probably the most obvious. Um, Make a ton of sense, both of them. Yeah, uh, you got Ron Rivera with uh, Eric Bieniemy with with uh, Lamar Jackson. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, um, scary Terry to throw to, and and Atlanta is kind of in a situation where it would be difficult for them to move up for a quarterback. You're you're getting at at best the third best quarterback in the draft, unless um, you sell everything. And then and then you're giving up two first round picks to get a rookie quarterback anyways, right? Because you're going to give up this year and next year's first-round yeah. pick. So why not do it on a guy? And, MVP. Yeah, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure Atlanta's okay cap space-wise. Yeah, they have, I think, in the 60 range. Yeah. Um, I think they're like second or third behind Chicago. So that's that's one where I don't really get, because I, I think at best they probably get, at this moment in time, I assume it's Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, as the first two quarterbacks off the board. Um, whether you, you know, agree with that or not, I think that that's probably what most people feel is going to happen with the NFL. You may see CJ Stroud go fourth. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, I've thought that for a while now, especially with how gung ho the NFL is for tall, white, prototypical, big arm passers. Um, so Will Levis may go before CJ Stroud. I would be shocked if Anthony Richardson isn't one of the first two. Um, would you rather give up two first-round picks for Will Levis or two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson? Exactly. I, so I don't understand why Atlanta. Like if Washington you're if you're Atlanta and you have Kyle Pitts, Cordell Patterson, and I'm going to say his last name wrong, Tyler Allegier. How do you the running back from BYU? Oh, Al Algier. That had such a good rookie season. Mm -hmm. well, Those Andrew. three guys with Lamar Jackson. You're probably gonna have fun. And Lamar Jackson. Traded, traded your best receiver to the Jaguars. Thank you, but uh, but especially still, with, like especially that's, with that's Pitts fun. there, especially with Pitts there, you're Frank Reich would have a ton of fun with him. If if the Panthers can't trade up to get one of the top four guys, like why not give two first round picks? Like, what are you gonna use those first round picks on? We have seen teams, the Jaguars, waste first round picks like it's nothing. And Washington is fairly good without a quarterback. I mean, think what they, they have. Would a, use. They have a very good defense. Yeah, very Receivers, good, good. Number receiver. one receiver, like some good running backs. Good head. I'm a big fan of Ron Rivera. Good head coach. You added uh, an OC who's very creative. Like, I, I don't know. It like it, it. It just screams that there is something fishy going on with the fact that he's. Now, you never know. Wednesday morning might pop up, and he might get signed to an offer sheet quick by somebody. 
Like this might all be just posturing by by some of these other teams. Um, but I think ideally, I think he ends up back in Baltimore, whether it be straight up with Baltimore or he gets signed or another team offers him a contract and Baltimore matches it. Um, but I think we see him back in Baltimore. Um, I don't think it's on the franchise tag. I think Lamar might sit if that's the case. Um, but I think something gets done. You know, cooler heads usually always prevail in these situations and deals get done. Um, you know, I wish he had somebody to represent him other than himself. Not that he's not capable, but just to give him like some financial guidance, you know, guys that do this every day and kind of just help him kind of work the channels to get the money he's looking for in whatever way possible. Um, but no, he, he's, he deserves it. He's a guy that I would, if we didn't have Trevor Lawrence, I would say, uh, yeah, give up two first round picks right now uh, and take him, pay him whatever he wants. Uh, speaking of tags, Jaguars utilized uh, a tag of their own, franchise tagging Evan Ingram. Um, Ingram had a fantastic year last year. I know you were huge on him going into the year. I was uh, a bit apprehensive just because, you know, Ingram was a guy that had kind of – you always knew the talent was there, but he hadn't put it together. And uh, with Trevor Lawrence, um, especially on the back half of the year, finally started to get some things rolling there. Um, had a really good game against the Jets. Uh, he even beat Sauce Gardner on a play that was that was a pretty nice uh, little crossing route there. But uh, very happy for Ingram. Hopefully they can get this long-term deal done. It's seeming more unlikely by the day at this point. Um, but if they can get that long-term deal done and free up some cap space, maybe the Jaguars can look at, uh, you know, the the possible re-signing of Jawan Taylor or Arden Key or, or maybe some other guys that they uh, they want to look at in free agency. But uh, super happy that the Jaguars get Evan Ingram back. I think he's going to be a pivotal piece next year. Um especially in the slot. I think you're going to have Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram in the slot next year, and you can't ask for better than that. With the uh, the coming of Calvin Ridley on the outside, uh, I, I think that Evan Ingram probably has a worse statistical year, um, but it is just as good of a uh, – and just as important of a piece for this offense. Yeah, and, you know, like you mentioned, I, I was very excited for the signing. I felt like it was a absolute no-risk signing. Uh, it was a one-year deal. It was for decent money. Uh, needed a tight end. Uh, Chris Man Chris Manhurts is, is a blocker. You know, Luke Farrell plays a little bit. He's more of a special teams guy. And we never really got to see much of Dan Arnold, what he could do. Um, but, you know, he comes in. Uh, it's his third most targets he ever got in his career this past year. But it was his most receptions. It was his most yards. And it was his second most touchdowns, second only to his rookie season in New York. He had six. Um, his touchdown numbers will probably stay the same, around the same next year, but you would expect probably targets and receptions and yards go down. Uh, but that's part of being on a good football team. You know, we're going to spread the ball around. Um, he was never going anywhere. Trent Baalke said, even like pre-combine, that Evan Ingram was not leaving. Um, he was either getting tagged or getting extended. Um, and you hope that this is a situation uh, similar to Cam Robinson last year uh, where you, you tag him so that you don't lose him with every intention of signing him to a long-term deal. Um, Evan Ingram wants that. He has said that. 
Um, you know, he had a tweet <clears throat> like a month ago about something about love in New York and people were, oh, oh God, you know. And then uh, he made a video like on TikTok or something talking about like top three teams he'd love to play for in free agency other than Jacksonville. And so people were all kind of reading the tea leaves on that. Uh, but he was never going anywhere. Uh, the tight end uh, franchise tag is $11 million, which is not much. Um, now you hope that you get him signed to a long-term deal because that $11 million number will go down as far as annual salary, meaning that, again, just more cap savings, which we've done some really good. Trent Baalke's done an incredible job this offseason getting our cap back in good shape um, with restructures of – you know, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Brandon Sheriff, um, extensions for Roy Robertson Harris and Jamichael Hasty. Um, and then releasing Shaq Griffin saved $13 million. So he's done a great job in, in that area. Uh, and Evans, Evans, very important to this team. Uh, he's very important to Trevor personally. They seem like they're incredibly close. Um, he had his best career year with Trevor. So you would assume he'd want to continue that instead of you know, hoping that that same kind of chemistry exists elsewhere. Um, you know, when you got a good thing, you want to hold on to it. And I think that that was the mission for Trent Baalke and for Evan Ingram. I don't think Evan really wanted to go anywhere else. Now, I know he wants a long-term deal, and I think one will get done. I would be incredibly shocked if Evan Ingram plays this year under the tag. Um, that would be – I wouldn't say a disaster, but I, I think that's a bad move by Evan Ingram in his camp if that happens because the grass isn't greener. Yeah. And if he gets hurt this year, he's back to next off season signing another one year deal for probably we signed him for one year, 9 million. If he gets banged up this year. He's probably looking at like one year, four or 5 million next year on another prove it deal with someone. So hopefully he agrees to a long-term deal. Uh, you know, Dilla kind of tweeted and made it sound like the long-term deal was about to get done, and then the agent kind of started playing a little hokey-pokey, and uh, so things kind of crumbled a little bit. But, you know, they have until, I think, July 15th to get it done. Um, it'll get done. I'm confident in that. Uh, he wants to be here. We want him here. There's mutual interest, so I don't think they're going to have to, you know, uh, argue and push and pull too much to get that job, uh, get that deal done. Uh, so th that was huge for Trevor, huge for us as a team, and something we all expected to happen. But you know, until it's official, you're you're, you're kind of nervous, especially with the Jaguars of being able to keep good players. Because as as the host of this show always says, good players are a good thing to have. And good players make good football teams. It's especially crucial for a Doug Peterson led offense where tight ends are, are such a important piece of, of how the offense uh, functions. Um, you know, Evan Ingram is as athletic as they come. I think he's uh, behind Kirk this past year, probably our, our most <sighs> important receiver. Um, so hopefully they can get that long-term deal done. Um, in the meantime, Jaguars welcome Calvin Ridley, who I'm super excited for. And this is rare because I don't get excited about the Jaguars very often. I was, um, as you guys probably know, I, I, I was fairly cold on Evan Ingram signing. And I was a little bit chilly 
on the Christian Kirk signing. I thought that Kirk would would put up stats um, for sure, simply because someone has to. Um, you know, we're throwing the ball; uh, someone's got to catch it. But uh, you know, I was surprised by Kirk. Um, Trevor and him se- seemed to form a chemistry on the back half of that year, similar with Evan Ingram. I mean, Trevor Lawrence just simply got better at the back half of the year, so that helps. Um, Christian Kirk started making plays. I was a little bit worried there in the you know first uh, maybe weeks four through like ten. I was like, okay, Trevor, we got to find Christian Kirk now. Um, but Kirk really turned it around. Was making some really nice plays late in the year, so I'm happy for him. I think that he'll do a lot better in the slot this coming year uh, and not being our primary receiver. He's not going to put up the same stats. I hope because I would hope that Calvin Ridley is the guy that we look to this year to be our big time playmaker. And I'm so happy we have him. I think he's probably a top 12 receiver in the league um, and a guy that, that really can build with Trevor in the long term. I think Calvin Ridley is going to be what some people thought Christian Kirk uh, could have or would have been. Um, I, I think that Calvin Ridley is is really an A-tier receiver and a guy that that we desperately needed uh, in a room full of pretty good guys. Uh, um, Calvin Ridley real good. <laughs> like, that boy real good at football. And, you know, you know obviously stud at Alabama. Um, you know, his first, like, you know, his last year playing in the league was kind of an anomaly. He had a lot of issues, injuries, and some kind of mental health stuff. He stepped away from the game. He only played in five games in 2021. And then, you know, he had his his suspension. Um, but in his first three seasons, tell me if this would sound good, uh, Jaguars fan, caught 217 passes in his first three seasons for 2,321 yards. And 26 touchdowns in his first three seasons. That sounds nice. Averaging nine touchdowns a year. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, In his last full season, he caught 90 passes for 1,374 yards with nine touchdowns. When is the last time a Jaguars receiver had 1,300 receiving yards? Allen Robinson, like 2015. That's almost a decade ago now. And that was the year that Bortles threw – like 35 touchdowns with like what 20 picks or something like that but man like at being able to add a player like that and it's just such a for a guy that we've given a lot of grief to like what a like a a savvy move by Trent Baalke like the trade deadline's coming at the time of the trade deadline the Jaguars weren't good okay so I was on Twitter I'll be the first to admit I am a Debbie Downer at times I was advocating, okay, who can we trade away? Like, I was like, okay, our season's over. Can we trade some of these guys away? Should we trade Josh Allen and try to get a first-round pick? Like, can we trade Arden Key to a pass-rush needy team and get, like, a fourth-round pick for them? So I was just thinking, like, all these people, who can we trade? Um, And then right at the deadline, if you'll recall, it was, like, right as that, like, 3 o'clock Eastern or whatever hit. Mia O'Brien was the first one to report that they had traded for Calvin Ridley. And I was like, that's brilliant. Like, especially at the time when our season looked like it was over, mm-hmm. like you're adding a guy who when healthy and on the field as a top 10 receiver to an offense that already has 
two very good pass catchers in Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. And then you have the guy who's not as consistent, but always down to make a big play in Zay Jones. Like, he's good for just one big flash, big play every now and then. Like, even though he's not, like, a huge consistent threat, he's a great guy to have on the roster. Like, I love – I'm glad – like, the fact that he's our fourth best pass catcher is fantastic because in years past, a guy like Zay Jones would have been our wide receiver one. (laughs) And so, it was just a huge – and we didn't give up, like, okay, it's a fourth-round pick that could be a second if we sign him to an extension. Okay, well, if we sign him to an extension, that's great news for us. So, yes, please take our second-round pick. Because at that point, it's going to be in the mid-20s probably if we're lucky every year or maybe in the low 30s if we keep pushing this thing in the right direction. And so, yes, you can have that second-round pick Atlanta because that means that Calvin Ridley balled out, got an extension from us, and we are very good at football, at least offensively. Uh, it was just like Trent Balky. It's that scene in Dumb and Dumber where I look at Trent Balky. And I say, just when I thought you couldn't get any dumber, you totally redeem yourself. And he makes – I mean, he hasn't made a – knock on wood, Trent Baalke hasn't made a bad move in over a year. And, uh, like, every chance he's taken has hit, except for maybe the production of Foley Fadikoski, which we talked about a little bit off air, was a guy who hasn't quite lived up to it, but Sheriff was good. Foley led the uh, Foyer led the league in tackles. Um, Trevor took a big step. The pass catchers he added all worked out, and now he adds Calvin Ridley. Who, if you read his Player Tribune article, which if you go by the words, he seems like he's in a very good place uh, mentally. And you would assume that a guy who's not very old yet physically is still looking pretty good. Um, he should be but- healthy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's he's 28 years old, um, just turned 28. So, you know, he, he's got good years ahead of him. And, you know, he's a, he's an exciting player. I don't think – we haven't had a wide receiver duo this good since Jimmy and Keenan between Kirk and, and Ridley. And you can say, like, Hearns and Robinson, but Hearns was an undrafted player. Like, he didn't have any kind of, like, hype behind him. Like, he was good because he was good to us because he busted his butt and turned himself in from an undrafted player to a solid contributor. This is the best wide receiver pair we've had since Jimmy and Keenan, you know, on paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and all things considered, it, it should pan out to to go that way in reality on the field. And I, bro, I'm excited about Calvin Ridley. Like he's seem like he interacts with fans. Like he seems like he's in a great place mentally. You know, he's going to be in good physical shape. He's already, um, he seems just incredibly grateful to be a Jaguar, which is something we didn't really have a lot in years past. Um, and now you know that there's like a whole roster full of dudes that you just know are happy to be here. Um, you know, and I saved that sound bite from the combine. I, I made it a video on my phone that I that I saved of Trent Balky saying, we have a franchise where players now want to come play for. Uh, and, you know, and that's an example because, like, you know, Calvin Ridley already showing up to the facility right after he gets reinstated, like a day after, you know, and it's all over social media. He gets the warm welcome. He's already meeting with the staff, talking to Trevor. Like, he just – he seems like he's pumped up and that fires me up and – and that, that's a huge – and, it, it, you know, Balky had to play the long game with that one. He had to draft a guy that he knew would not be able to help them for a year. 
Um, but he he makes the trade anyway. He doesn't give up much compensation to get him, and, and it looks on paper it's another bulky masterclass. Yeah, it was a brilliant move. It's almost like playing. He was playing chess while the rest of the league was playing checkers. He was. It's it's almost like a um, an NFL draft move in at the trade deadline because you're you're getting a player who's not going to help you now, but is more of a long term piece. Um, that you hope you know develops into a nice player down the line. Um, with Ridley's case, he was suspended because of the gambling. Um, but I think usually at the trade deadline, you're always looking at guys. Okay, who can help us? You know, the last eight games of the season, and this was a move where it's like, okay, can we take advantage of a bad situation between a team and a player and turn that into something that could be fruitful for us? Um, and I think that that Bucky did that, and I think that it's going to pay off in dividends for us uh, going forward. Now, in Calvin Ridley's defense, the bet he placed was on the Jaguars to lose in 2021, which was not a bad bet to make. So at least he's a smart, savvy better. <laughs> um, it was a mistake. He owned up. He didn't make any excuses, and I respect that so much. And I think the media, he's you know, it's been all over the media about just like how much the media appreciated his response with the article that he wrote. Uh, Pat McAfee talked about it for a good a good while uh, on his show, and but there were probably a lot of people placing bets on the Jaguars to lose games in 2021. Um, he just wasn't allowed and did it anyway. Um, but you know he he learned from it, and you know and and I love seeing guys get their second chances. Uh, you know, one of my favorite stories from the past was when. You know, Michael Vick made his mistake, served his prison time, and then was able to have a really good little stretch with Philadelphia in that set in that kind of comeback tour of his career. Um, you know, I love Michael Vick, so him getting another chance was great. And you know, and guys should, you know, when guys make mistakes, especially if they're not like violent, vile, horrible mistakes, Calvin Ridley's was not. Um, especially when it's not under that category. It's cool to see guys, you know, learn from it and get a second chance. And, you know, unlike the past, we are benefiting from that second chance by adding an elite. And we don't get to say that a lot about Jags players, but an elite player at the wide receiver position, which we were banging on the table last year for Trent Baalke to get us an X receiver. And it took him a while, but you just got to. You just got to have some faith in my guy Trent, and and he'll and he comes around for you. You get, you got to see the vision. Yeah, you got you just got you got to see the long game. Can't so, be short sighted. Uh, something the Jaguars are also working on. We mentioned the Ingram deal is the Jawan Taylor deal. Um, and we mentioned that the the Shaq release. I, I don't know how much we need to go into to that one. Um, Wish him well. Nice guy. But not too much to say there. I think the Jaguars will be targeting a corner early in the draft. But the Jawan Taylor deal is interesting. Um, Jawan Taylor was one of the best tackles last year in the NFL at pass blocking at right tackle. He was the second best right tackle and pass blocking in the NFL. He also happens to be one of the worst run blockers in the NFL. Um, but, uh, passing is, is more important, uh, pass blocking. Um, so the Jaguars want to make a deal there. Um, you know, they're trying, it doesn't sound like it's going much of anywhere. I think it's just that. Taylor knows that his 
um, value is probably going to be so much higher in free agency. And I don't really know that the Jaguars are going to be able to match whatever he's going to get in free agency. Um, and you have Walker Little. We'll see what happens and how the line shakes out. If he is the right tackle or if, you know, maybe they swap Cam and Walker. I wouldn't think so. I imagine Walker's probably your right tackle. And then I'd expect the Jaguars to, to maybe look at a swing tackle uh, later in the draft, maybe late, uh, late day two, um, to, to try to kill it, kind of fill that void with Walker Little now as the starter, try to get a try to get a backup to, to maybe have some nice depth there. Maybe look at a guy like Dewan Jones, Matthew Bergeron. I think there's some interesting <clears throat> options there um, for the Jaguars to consider uh, on day two of the draft. Yeah, and, and I, I don't expect Jawan back strictly because – we were in kind of a tight cap spot. Balky did some great work to free some money up. You know, the the tag of Evan Ingram kind of makes me signal that Jawan Taylor's gone. Um, if we were able to sign a long-term deal with Evan Ingram before Tuesday, I would have maybe maybe expected the tag for Jawan Taylor because the the offensive tackle tag isn't horrible. And so I, I think that would have been probably the game plan. But the fact that we had to tag Ingram, I think, kind of signals a goodbye to Jawan Taylor. Now we're lucky in that we have a tackle who, when the team's totally healthy, a guy that was uh, uh, on the bench when the team was healthy, that showed some very, very good promise. Um, he was drafted in the second round for a reason. You know, um, he hasn't played a ton of football, though, in the past three years. You know, he was very injured at Stanford. And then last year for us as a rookie, he didn't play hardly at all. This year he starts six games. So he's got like six starts in three seasons. Um, but showed a lot of really good things. Um, showed that he can compete against really good pass rushers, that we played a lot of good pass rushers down the stretch. Um, he performed well um, for a guy that, you know, Cam Robinson makes a lot of money and, hasn't played very elite football. Uh, he's a guy that's always been a kind of just above average left tackle. Um, you know, we had to pay him last year, which is what it is. That's sometimes that's the business. Um, but now you're, you have cam under contract, you have Walker under contract. I mean, are you going to sign, are you going to have three highly drafted tackles, two of which to big contracts? And then Walker is going to be coming up before you know it on a contract himself. Like, so it's one of those things where, like, how much are you willing to invest in one position? And I don't see us retaining Jawan unless he takes a friendly deal because he likes staying in Jacksonville. But with him being a free agent, with Orlando Brown not getting tagged in Kansas City, um, there's going to be a big market for tackles. Um, Jawan's going to get $17 to $18 million per season. And – I like Jawan. I think he played well this year, but I hope that we aren't giving him 17 to $18 million per season. I think in my opinion, he's about a 11 to $12 million a year guy as far as like value. Um, but, you know, he, he, he deserves the right to go test free agency and get paid, uh, you know, just like anybody else. So uh, I don't expect that to be a resolution to where he stays in Jacksonville even though I'd like to have him back, I'd actually rather have Taylor and Walker and not have Cam Robinson. Um, but, you know, we're kind of stuck with Cam at least for another year because of his contract. So I get that that's the business. 
But I expect uh, Jawan to test the waters, and I expect him to get a very nice deal that will serve him and his family very well for a long time. Uh, but it, I don't believe it'll be with the Jaguars. Yeah, and I, and I do, you know, say what you want about the Cam deal. Um, you could, there's probably better value out there. At the same part, at the same time, you don't want to get into Bengals territory where you just can't protect your tackle or your quarterback. You know, I'd, I'd rather overpay and have good offensive linemen than have nothing. You know, the Cobra's bare in, in Chicago and uh, Cincinnati. And so I'm, I'm happy that the Jaguars understand that in order to have a young, successful quarterback, you have to protect him and get him good receivers and good O-line. Jaguars seem to be doing that. It's a focus for them. I expect O-line to be something that they draft uh, within the first two days, whether it's Osiris Torrance on day one or if it's a swing tackle on day two, maybe both. You know, like think about drafting Osiris Torrance and Dewan Jones. Like you want to talk about having just the biggest offensive line in football. Uh, that would be hilariously fun. I don't expect it to happen, but. No, but it wouldn't shock me at all. As much as Trent Balky likes big boys, it wouldn't shock me at all for us to uh, double dip at offensive line. Um, and it would make sense. Uh, draft a guard because you need a left guard. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Shatley is great. I'm glad he's on our team. Um, but I don't think he is the answer. Uh, ben Barch, you know, is coming off an injury, so you're not really sure what you're going to get from him in, in, in return. Um, you need a guard and you need tackle depth, especially if Jawan is leaving. Because, you know, I'm going to ask you a question that I don't know the answer to. If Jawan Taylor leaves and we don't draft or sign a tackle, who's our third tackle? Well, not only that, but I mean, Cam's had some injury issues. Um, it's Walker has too, not with us, but he has an injury history. Um, so the last couple of years, we've had some some health issues at tackle, and I would like to have a Walker Little, another Walker Little, behind those guys. You know, maybe not, maybe not a second high second round pick, but you know, draft someone or but sign. You have, or yeah, sign somebody. well, you have a third round pick, and you have two fourth round picks. So yeah, you I know, expect one of them to be on O line. Yeah, and 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 we'll add O line. You know, I am I am team Osiris. Torrance at 24. Um, love Brian Branch. I think he'll be gone. So I've kind of put my eggs in the Torrance basket, um, which, you know, a Louisiana guy going to the Jags is always something I'm down for. So, you know, I expect us to add to that. I expected us to add a guard, even if Juwan left. And so now I expect us to definitely add a guard and, like you said, possibly double dip and add a tackle as well because. O-line depth is never a bad thing to have. And I'm going to say something crazy. The Jaguars don't have a lot of holes on the roster. Oh, let's not go there. They don't have a lot. They don't have a lot. All right? So it really comes down to what do you define as a lot. Um, But we do have, I think, nine picks this year. We need to double dip at corner as well. Um, So double dip at corner, double dip at O-line. And – get you an edge rusher somewhere early. Mm-hmm. Um, and then – Which is sad to say with we're all – good at re- We're good at receiver. Talent. We could probably use a back. We're good at receiver. We're good at quarterback. We need to add another tight end in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Dan Arnold and Chris Manhurst are both free agents. So you have Luke Farrell and Evan Ingram. Yeah. And I like Luke Farrell. I'm sure he's great on the punt team. But unless he's going to take a – now he did have a major key block on that ETN run to ice it against uh, the Chargers. <laughs> um, so that, that's his moment. Really good tight end class, really good corner class, so that helps the Jaguars out. Yeah, and you, like you said, you have nine picks. Uh, so don't oh. make don't make three sixth-round picks, Trent. Package some of that, move up, and let's just – we have nine picks. Let's leave the draft with five or six dudes we like. We talked about this last year, too, where the Jaguars had like 12 picks. I forget how many it was. And you and I were like, do not make 12 picks. It makes no sense. They can't all make the roster. You know that they're not going to make the roster. Um, and the Jaguars did use some capital to trade up to get Devin Lloyd. And I'm happy for it. Devin Lloyd had an up and down year last year, Crazy. made a lot of plays, gave up a lot of plays. Um, but uh, hopefully the Jaguars linebacker duo can be much better in coverage next year because they were mad this year giving traded up. up we traded up also for snoop connor so like we used some of those picks to to Ooh. move up you know <laughs> um we used some of those picks to move up in the draft so trent showed you know I, I i listened back to our first episode today about last year's draft before it happened and i called out trent balky for not being aggressive in the draft and then he made three trades <laughs> although i will say he's already um, said that he's not really open to moving this year which i'm already disappointed whatever by. trent you I, can't you can't <laughs> fool me you sneaky devil I, you're gonna he's gonna do something he's gonna trade up from 202 to like 194 and i just i just don't understand steal. the draft hasn't even happened yet and he's already like yeah i don't think we're gonna trade i was like but okay christian gonzalez is there at like 19 you're telling me you're not gonna go <laughs> we'll get into uh draft targets but like you said there there's some there's some players to be had in even later rounds this year at mm -hmm. really at positions of depth that we need you know uh, a guy like mcclendon curtis from chattanooga that we could grab late tur in the draft maybe not super late like maybe not seventh round but curtis is probably going to be there in the fifth i'd say um, he's late fourth or fifth, fifth yeah round. like Good guard out of Chattanooga. There was an offensive lineman from Chattanooga going the first round last year. Like big boy. Yeah, they're starting to they're starting to produce some guys. And you know, um, before that, the claim to fame Chattanooga had was Terrell Owens a billion years ago. So they're starting to get some guys back in the draft. And you know, there's some guys to be had. And you know, you you can disagree, but I I think it's you, I think you're coming from a place of fear, Daniel. And this is a safe place. We don't have a lot of holes on our this, roster. We just this don't. Is, this is not a safe place yet. We just don't have a lot of holes. Now, we need a slot corner. We need another tight end. We need depth on the interior D-line and edge and on the interior of the O-line. Now, those – those, it's not a lot of holes. We have backers. We have good corners. Um, but we do need a slot. We have good corners. We have good safeties. We have a good quarterback. We have a good running back. We have good receivers. And that's the most good I've been able to say about the Jaguars in one paragraph in a very long time. Uh, so players are there. It's really – and it's not all about drafting depth. Like, we need to draft some guys that play right away. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really just about the best fits and, and, and plugging holes. You know, and we're, we're in a position to really just best available at 24 at any position other than quarterback. Yeah. If 24 is a receiver, which I know people might think that's crazy, but if 
Jordan Addison sitting there at 24, why not? <laughs> like, um, now I don't expect that to happen. I think he'll be gone. I don't think Trent's going to take a receiver, but we really can take any position at 24 other than QB. And it, and it's something that's important to remember for draft for people who maybe don't follow the draft as closely as, as maybe you or I do. Um, you know, it's important to get guys who make immediate impacts, but it's more important to make sure that you get the right guys long-term. Like I had someone reply to me um, is either today or yet, uh, yesterday saying, you know, it'd be a waste if we don't draft a slot corner who starts right away in round one. And it's like, yeah, but okay. Or if, if say, you know, one of the top tackles is there, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, whoever. I don't expect them to be, but you know, you never, you never know. Um, especially with some of the positions are are uh, more likely to fall than others. Looking at safety, Brian Branch, who would play slot corner, but um, you know, the the point, you know, is, is still there. Of don't write in pen always write in pencil always keep your options open you know you don't you don't have to draft a guy who plays right away and makes an immediate impact if you see the future for this player for the next five years ten years yeah and and the good news for us that didn't exist last year um especially we were picking one so this really didn't apply to us but picking later in the draft in a good QB year has its benefits because you're going to have four quarterbacks go in the top seven. Let's just say top ten to be safe. So three four tackles. quarterbacks go in the top ten, and about three tackles go in the top ten. That means that some really good players are going to be available in the 15 to 20 range. And so that means that if Balky is feeling a little, little froggy, going up from 24 to 19 is not going to cost him much. And if he wants to go grab a, a Christian Gonzalez, a make sure he gets Brian Branch. Joey Porter. Um, yeah, Joey Porter. If there's a run on O-Lyman early and he wants to make sure he gets Osiris by trading up maybe three spots, you know what I'm saying? Like, th there's going to be deals to be made. This is going to be a very much wheeling and dealing draft, which as a, as a fan of a team picking late, that's a lot of fun. Uh, it's just as a football fan to just watch. Um, now – the bear, if the Bears are going to trade one, I would probably expect them to do it before the draft um, because that's been the case in recent years. If you'll recall, like the year that Wentz came out uh, to the Eagles and golf went to the Rams, remember it was like three weeks before the draft that, that uh, the Rams traded the number one, uh, traded for the number one pick. I think what Tennessee had the number one pick. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I don't expect it to be like Chicago's on the clock. They've traded the pick. I think this is something that's probably going to happen ahead of time. Um, but you, but not many picks will get traded, I bet, after that. I think that's going to happen on draft night, and it's going to be chaotic, and it's going to be a lot of fun while we're just chilling at 24 to see who falls in our lap. Um, please let Joey Porter Jr. fall into our lap at 24. <laughs> he's he's the most bulky guy ever. This oh, man God. has a, a orangutan arm. It's like 40 inches <laughs> It's like the scene in the uh, in Nightmare on Elm Street when Freddy Krueger's walking down the street with his arms stretched, like scraping the fence, like to scare Tina. What were what were they? 30, 36 inches? What were? He had, yeah, he had like he had edge rusher arms, like it was ridiculous. <laughs> um, but 
you just know his dad probably gives him so much like trash at Thanksgiving because he played linebacker and his son's a corner. He's probably like, like making him a second plate himself. Like, well, you need to eat something. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, somebody really good's going to fall to us. Like it's, it's just, it happens every year to those people in the early twenties. Like it happened to us last year. We traded up and grabbed Devin Lloyd, who mm-hmm. I did not expect to be available at 27. Um, I expected him to be uh, like a 18 to 22 type pick and we got fortunate and I think he's going to be fine. Um, so, so I'm excited for it. I wish it wasn't 48 days away as of tomorrow, probably like 47 or 46 by the time you actually put this thing out. Uh, but, uh, but no, it's going to be fun. It's such a fun season to me. It's the best event in all of American sports is the NFL draft. It's so, especially the first round, uh, because like all the chaos, you know, every team is on even footing. Uh, you just sit back and enjoy. Uh, hopefully chaos ensues um, because that just makes it a lot more fun. And I think it will this year with there being four quarterbacks that people like, and then Anthony Richardson demolished the combine and went from, Oh, I think he might be a, a top 15 pick to be in like probably going to go number one. <laughs> like, you know, especially if the Colts make the pick, which I think the Colts are going to be the team that trades up. And I think, I think Ursay is going to take Anthony Richardson. And then of course, Houston gets Bryce Young falls into their lap with doing no work. That's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Um, which Trevon Walker is going to eat him twice a year. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Trevon Walker's good. Um, but Man, yeah, the draft season is so much fun. Uh, continuing to dive into prospects, watching film of dudes from like Southern Arkansas, <laughs> because 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 why not? Um, but now I'm excited for it. You need to check out Michael Wilson. Michael Wilson, wide receiver from Stanford, who crushed the combine. By the way, he did not. <laughs> A good player though. But, Best receiver uh, in the Pac-12, named Michael Wilson. We'll let you guys go. I think the Jaguars, you know, we got we got a lot to look forward to. Free agency starts Tuesday. We'll probably be back next Thursday is uh, my plan. Um, so we'll see you guys in one week, hopefully with some uh, some free agency news and uh, a little more draft talk. And uh, we'll see you guys very shortly. And as always, Duval till we pod.
pick. I think this is something that's probably going to happen ahead of time. Um, but you, but not many picks will get traded. I bet after that, I think that's going to happen on draft night, and it's going to be chaotic, and it's going to be a lot of fun while we're just chilling at twenty four to see who falls in our lap. Um, please let Joey Porter Jr. fall into our lap at twenty four. He's he's the most bulky guy ever. This oh, man God. has a orangutan arm. It's like forty inches. <laughs> It's like the scene in the uh, in Nightmare on Elm Street when Freddy Krueger's walking down the street with his arms stretched, like scraping the fence, like to scare Tina. What were, what were they? 30, 36 inches? What were? He had, yeah, he had like he had edge rusher arms, like it was ridiculous. <laughs> um, but you just know his dad probably gives him so much like trash at Thanksgiving because he played linebacker and his son's a corner. He's probably like like making him a second plate himself. Like, well, you need to eat something, uh, <laughs> but. I mean, somebody really good is going to fall to us. Like, it's it's just – it happens every year to those people in the early 20s. Like, it happened to us last year. We traded up and grabbed Devin Lloyd, who mm-hmm. I did not expect to be available at 27. Um, I expected him to be uh, like a 18 to 22 type pick. And we got fortunate, and I think he's going to be fine. Um, so, so, I'm excited for it. I wish it wasn't 48 days away as of tomorrow probably like 47 or 46 by the time you actually put this thing out. Uh, but, uh, but no, it's going to be fun. It's such a fun season. To me, it's the best event in all of American sports is the NFL draft. It's so, especially the first round uh, because like all the chaos, you know, every team is on even footing. Uh, you just sit back and enjoy. Uh, hopefully chaos ensues. Um because that just makes it a lot more fun. And I think it will this year with there being four quarterbacks that people like, and then Anthony Richardson demolished the combine and went from, Oh, I think he might be a a top 15 pick to being like, probably going to go number one. (laughs) Like, you know, especially if the Colts make the pick, which I think the Colts are going to be the team that trades up. And I think, I think Ursa is going to take Anthony Richardson. And then of course, Houston gets Bryce Young, falls into their lap with doing no work. That's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Um, which Trevon Walker is going to eat him twice a year. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully Trevon Walker's good. Um, but, man, yeah, the, the draft season is so much fun. Uh, continuing to dive into prospects, watching film of dudes from, like, southern Arkansas. <laughs> because, because, because why not? Um, but, no, I, I, I'm excited for it. You need to check out Michael Wilson. Michael Wilson, wide receiver from Stanford, who crushed the combine, by the way. He did not. <laughs> a good player, though. But, Best receiver uh, in the Pac-12 named Michael Wilson. We'll let you guys go. I think the Jaguars, you know, we got, we got a lot to look forward to. Free agency starts Tuesday. We'll probably be back next Thursday is uh, my plan. Um, so we'll see you guys in one week, hopefully with some co- uh, some free agency news. And uh, a little more draft talk. And uh, we'll see you guys very shortly. And as always, do Volta Weepod.